There is no one thing that's going to do it. There is only the continuous remembrance that there is really nothing to be done. Because you could do that 13 hours of meditation and go back into the world and completely forget that you are God. Hey guys, welcome to our SoulFam podcast, where I interview spaceholders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the whole universe. Today on the show, we have Docs, the meditation guru, the life coach, the relationship counselor, and the hip-hop artist. Welcome to the show, Docs. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm here. I'm present, um, and I'm honored to be here with you right now with an intention and a platform that, that's this important. I'm just, uh, I'm honored to be here right now. Yeah. Oh, of course you are present. You are the meditation guru. You cannot be not <laughs> present, right? I mean, that would just like be beyond, beyond the boundaries of what meditation guru right. should re represent, right? right? I'm just kidding, of course. I mean, even as a meditation guru, you probably have moments when you're not present at all. So that's completely fine. And, uh, you know, we and it's life. It's We are humans. Of course, sometimes we're just going to be triggered and that's completely okay. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a funny, just, it's just funny thing to point out. I hope that you don't mind that I'm just making jokes because it's obviously just a joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say, like, even the idea of being or staying present, is still just a movement and consciousness like their presence is always there so even in those moments where we may feel like we're not being present or we're not connected or like you say somebody may get, get upset or worried or any of those low frequency emotions presence is still present so i'm not even so much concerned with you know being present i use that terminology because that's what people understand i'm more so concerned with presence itself and that can never go away so yeah mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Presence is all there is really, because it's all this whole I am consciousness that is that it's existence really. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And I would love to start this chat with a little bit of a backstory because you know, you do so many things and it's so interesting how you combine it all. And I'm super curious of what has inspired you to be on this spiritual evolution journey. Like how did you become the meditation guru? What has happened in your life to really inspire you to, to go there and, you know, to explore yourself on these deeper levels? Um, so the, the first step for me pretty much was, uh, my kidney conking out. Um, a lot of people who follow me for a minute now, they kind of know a lot of my story. But for those who don't, um, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I never had, you know, that's one of the most notorious hoods in the country, in America. Um, so I didn't care about anybody's meditation, anything, anybody's yoga, anything. I never thought I would become this type of person. I always say I would have laughed at the person I now uh, am today as opposed to the person I was then. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was desperation. I, I was trying to use God like a genie in a bottle, um, like a lot of us do. Uh, we don't really care about God unless we, like, really need God until you start to become aware of what God really is. Um, but I was desperate. Like, my kidney was failing at 23 years old. <clears throat> As a result, I ended up going blind in my left eye a few years later. And that kind of just led me to trying, to trying to figure out a way to survive, trying to figure out a way to keep a certain quality of life to still be able to see as long as I would be alive. You know, I was blind in my left eye, starting to go blind in my right. And that kind of just led me down this path of just looking everywhere I could to figure out how I could possibly heal myself. Initially, it started with my diet, started with food. Dr. Sabi was very popular at that time. And that kind of led me into the rabbit hole of meditation. And specifically when I was on the verge of my second suicide attempt, 
um, a friend of mine that I was actually in a music group 10 years prior, he had left the group and we actually had a lot of money on the table and we couldn't understand why he had left the group, but he had left the group to pursue his own path of creating his own meditation and yoga platform. And we lost contact and came back into contact when I most needed him via social media. And he kind of just, you know, saw I was down and out at that time, offered me a five week online course. And that pretty much changed my whole trajectory and gave me the foundation I needed to like completely dive in to the spirit sciences. Yeah. Mm, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a quite a bumpy ride uh, on your journey, Definitely. you know, it's like, super and I'm, I'm saying it's super this... smooth right now. It was, it was way bumpier than I'm actually saying it right now, but yeah, definitely a bumpy ride. Yeah. Well, you've done probably a lot of work on yourself that you now can accept it and really talk peacefully about it all. So, of course, like if you do the work, if you do the shadow work, if you go into your traumas, if you reprogram everything, then you can be peaceful about it. But I'm, sh I'm sure it wasn't peaceful for you back right, then. Absolutely. And so did, did you heal with meditation? Did you, were you able to heal yourself and like completely get out of your health condition? Yeah, so initially they told me at 23, they said I would need a dialysis by 30. They said I would need a transplant by 35. When I started, when I went blind completely in my left eye, they said I pretty much couldn't avoid the same thing happening in my right. And all of that got reversed. Um, I don't even go to the doctor anymore. Like I was in the, the renal center three times a week, had to get multiple surgeries on my eye. I haven't, you know, seen a doctor in probably like five, six years. Um, and at the end of my hospital doctor journey, they was pretty much telling me that there was nothing else that they needed to do for me at that point. So everything they said I wouldn't be able to reverse got reversed. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 41. Well, my body is going to be 41 this year. Um, and I'm completely fine. I can see. Um, so all that, all that has been pretty much reversed. So, yes, healing did complete itself on the physical side of myself. Yes. Mm -hmm. that's amazing that's so good and i love yeah. how you say that your body is uh, 41 because it's yeah. like yeah, yeah just, I mean, this whole this whole thing is 41 yeah yeah it's just like you're young in the spirit <laughs> so you never really get you know older right. you just feel young so that's perfect and so what kind of methods did you use to heal yourself like was it just meditation was it was it some uh, you know childhood trauma healing or what kind of methods did you combine or of course nutrition and diet like what what has helped you the most? I was doing everything I could possibly get my hands on, <laughs> like, because I was super desperate. So, and it's interesting because it came, it became the mashup of now how I teach. I, I'm still pretty much in an urban community. A lot of the people that I work with are not familiar with meditation or any of the spirit sciences at all. So I kind of take like a physical trainer's approach. If you work with a physical trainer, they're going to always throw different types of exercises at you to be able to continuously stimulate different parts of your body. You do the same thing over and over, you kind of get bored with it. So being that I did so many things at that time, I kind of used that same approach. So I'm talking about reflexology, Tai Chi, uh, Qigong, of course, mindfulness, transcendental meditation. Uh, what is it? Um, Kundalini yoga. Uh, all these different things that I was just kind of, you know, reaching for straws at the time. And there would be pockets where a certain sect of the healing traditions would be super important to me. Like there was a period of time where for like a good six to eight months, I was doing mantras for hours a day. Then there was a period of time where I was doing mindfulness for hours a day. Then there was a period of time I was doing uh, nature therapy for hours a day. So I kind of was able to go around a gamut of the spirit sciences and really make a connection to each of the ones that I administer now. 
But at that time, I was just desperate. So I'm reading every book. I'm looking into everything on Google as far as spirit, spirit sciences was concerned. But now it's kind of a template that I can use and give to other people. So I was into everything. I don't think any one thing had more effect than the other. They were all stepping stones leading me to a place where now I'm not very technique based anymore. I use techniques to because people kind of need those stepping stones. But now at this point, I just sit in awareness. So sometimes I am compelled to go into my bag of, you know, kind of spiritual gymnastics, if you will. But at this point, my main te technique, if you even want to call it that, is me just staying in the remembrance of my total self beyond 41-year-old body, docs, persona, all that other stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like all these methods that you've used has, uh, have helped you to get this to this place where you can just be fully aware and you can just sit with this presence of your, the wholeness of yourself? This is what has led you to this? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because even when I was like really into those techniques and as powerful as they were and still are when I'm compelled to go towards them, um, but they kind of cut like the world of spiritual gymnastics. It can come with more uh, boosting of the ego, right? It can come with a lot of pressure. Um, it can come with a lot of rigidity. And it kind of comes with that, this idea of separation that I'm doing these things to get to a certain point or I'm doing these things to get back to God, which like we talked about in the beginning, you never leave your total self, right? This is just an experience for us to condense into the human experience and have fun, play around in ourselves, right? So a lot of those techniques, when I was taking that approach back then, as well as I could possibly do them, they still came with a certain sense of separation. I work with certain people who grew up in India, who started out, started out in their life meditating for 13 hours a day and still find themselves at, you know, 10 years removed from that experience coming to ask me for help. And I've never meditated for 13 hours in a day. I've done four or five here and you know I'm saying stuff like that. But I, can, I, I can't say I did 13 hours every day of my life as a child. So for me to not have that experience but still be in a place where I could still assist some of those people who have completed those levels of spiritual gymnastics, but still have gotten to the point where it's like, it still didn't do it for me. There is no one thing that's going to do it. There is only the continuous remembrance that there is really nothing to be done. Because you could do that 13 hours of meditation and go back into the world and completely forget that you are God, right? So yeah, everything was helpful stepping stones. Um, but at this point, I do understand the the pitfalls of spiritual gymnastics that a lot of people kind of overlook yeah so can you all talk a little bit about the pitfalls actually like you know pointing them out so that people understand it a little deeper absolutely so there's something i give to a lot of my clients called codifying and codifying is probably a, a word that's um familiar to a lot of you know people that are spiritually adept as far as the yoga sutras right uh patanjali codified uh, yoga, the system of yoga, you know, the, the Rishis uh, gave it to him and he put it in a way that, you know, we still study today. And there are a lot of those different codes, but there's a certain, there's certain codes of the human experience that even when you're in the yoga session, even when you're in the meditation, like right now, where do you live? Where are you at in the world? Where's your body rather? In the world? <laughs> My body is on the island Samothraki in Greece at the moment. Okay. So there, there's a code as you walk around your day. Even right now, there's a certain semblance of the code as we have this conversation that you are in Greece. On my end of the spectrum, there's a code that I am in New Jersey, right? And with that code comes this perpetuation of Jersey, 
grease as opposed to just the oneness, just consciousness itself. So you start to create these boundaries, these borders, and before you know it, there's this subconscious code that you live in, the quote-unquote internal matrix, that I'm over here, this little person in this great big world, and you are all the way over there as opposed to us just dwelling in consciousness. So when we take these types of codes of the I thought of the ego into the meditation session, into the yoga session, as well as you could possibly do an asana, the greatest posture that you could that could ever be done, even as you're doing it, it's kind of under the guise of I, the person, am doing this. So in a lot of ways, it kind of strengthens the ego's hold around our consciousness and it still kind of enfolds us into this idea of I need to do something to get to my total self. So that cold kind of strengthens in these spiritual gymnastics a lot of time if they're approached with this particular perspective that I'm a person doing this particular sadhana, this particular spiritual practice. You, if you do these spiritual practices without that cold, then you're good to go. But a lot of us, you know, in the spiritual community, we end up going into it with that approach, that egoic approach. And in a lot of subconscious ways, it ends up propping up our ego. Look, I can stand on my head for four hours, right? Or I can do this crazy type of asana. I can stretch my body in certain ways. I can do 13 hours of meditation. And that props up our ego even more and, and kind of creates a, a higher wall, blocking us from the, the aspect of ourselves that doesn't need sadhana that doesn't need meditation, that doesn't need asana. It's just naturally existing always and forever. Mm. So what would you say if people are kind of trapped in this idea of like me and I am the one doing yoga, I am the one meditating. Is there any perspective that people can have or some maybe affirmation or something that would help them move through it and just really pass this identification with oneself and into the identification with everything, with the oneness? Um, so self-inquiry, um, kind of known as uh, Atma Vachara, uh, self-analysis, Gyani, J-N-A-N-I, um, which is kind of a sect or arm of yoga, but it's not really a technique. It's just a practice of noticing yourself from the perspective of the witness. So I would say even as you're doing the postures, even as you're in meditation, do your best to whatever type of traditional asana or meditation you're doing. Do your best to still observe the technique itself. Do your best to observe the quote-unquote idea of the doer of the technique while it's actually happening. And that will kind of bring back, um, that will, you know, yoga is a Sanskrit word that means to yoke, to unify, to integrate. So if you do it from that approach, if you can have that awareness, and initially that's difficult. Initially that takes some training of your attention. I always reference uh, Rupert Spira, who is excellent at kind of breaking down awareness itself. And he always talks about the etymology of the word uh, attention. Attention coming from the root phrase to stretch towards, right? So as you're doing these things, a lot of times the attention is stretching towards the code of doctors doing this great meditation or Doctors leading a hundred people in this group. If you can allow your attention to stretch toward the, towards the witness that sees all these different layers, all these different codes from the source perspective, then the sadhana, the practice can be done while maintaining the, the realization that there is no doer of this meditation. There is no doer of this asana. All there is is the experience and the witnessing of the experience, there is actually no door involved. When there's no door, there's no docs, there's no I, 
there's no person, all that stuff starts to disintegrate. And there's no way to prop up or even strengthen the ego um, how we normally do when we approach Sodom. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really, really like uh, what you're saying because it's so true that really it's about experiencing the oneness and everything that we do, mm -hmm. that the actions we take are just guiding us to experiencing the divine within and without, actually everywhere. So I really love right. what you're saying. And one of the techniques that actually came to my mind to share as well that could help with this approach is the um, my my number one mentor, uh, spiritual mentor is Teal Swan. And she has this video about the octopus technique where you just kind of like... Um, see yourself and and you are in the body but then you kind of like see yourself from the distance from the body and then even more distance and then you kind of like see yourself from like further and further perspective and you kind of like mm -hmm. getting to the source of the octopus's head or whatever exactly. whatever you want to call it because we are the end of the octopus right now like we are right. this very own end of the i don't know what it's called right. in english like the, the like the tentacles and all of that the yeah, tentacles yeah. yeah exactly the, the very tip on it of the tentacle we are yeah. and then if we can go like further we can experience everything we can experience oneness we can experience god but i feel like for some people it's like if they meditate so much and they don't even know that there is this perspective on why they are doing this that you know the intention because if your intention is going to be to experience oneness to experience all that is at some point it's probably going to be there but so many people i feel don't even know that that's what they should intend in a way it's like okay i'm going to meditate to be more effective at my work or i'm going to meditate to whatever right oh i'm going to do yoga because my uh, knee is you know <laughs> needs to need some work and they don't even like uh, realize that there is something beyond it that you can actually get with these practices too some higher awareness uh, of yourself and higher consciousness but i guess that's why we are having this conversation to inspire people exactly. to actually do have this intention and to actually realize exactly. that it's not the it's not the doing that is important it's the intention it's the presence that is within us and actually everyone has this presence so just about just shutting uh, shutting off everything that is not this presence and just getting to the core of us that is this present anyway and i feel like it's uh, also really important to mention that like it's actually like our inherent nature it's us it's not like we can be separate from it because i feel like so many people have these beliefs like of fear of god or separation from god because of the religion because how we were programmed like okay you need to be now afraid of god because he's gonna judge you and it's like uh this you know man with the beard and whatever and it's like yeah all these all these bullshit and i feel like we are just so i feel like at least i was uh, a few years ago very disconnected i was like afraid of the idea of the divine like afraid what it what it even means of the vastness of it of the of the power of it of everything that that it is right but it's us like <laughs> you know and, and i just i just really want to uh people to feel because i had a, an experience once um on psychedelics where i really felt like i'm god like really felt like a part right. of part of god and i felt like no matter what i do i'm still god like literally i can have any choice and any decision and any action <laughs> it doesn't matter because i'm still god and right. so it's still god experiencing itself through me so i can just right. do whatever and i can be so free and it was a very very freeing experience but honestly like i rarely have this kind of high um, awareness high state of consciousness where i literally feel like i am god and i wanted to ask you because mm -hmm. i'm really curious like how often do you experience this all-encompassing presence like do you now as mm -hmm. you were practicing meditation for so long do you feel like it's easy to access for you this state of mind or do you feel like it depends on the day and all the triggers that have happened in your day or on the maybe surroundings that you're in or like how often do you actually experience this 
presence of, of pure being. So that's the thing. And, and it's interesting that you just said that. I'm glad you said that. It actually uh, brings me to two things before I answer your question. Uh, Robert Adams, um, another great uh, yogi of his time, even though he wouldn't consider himself that. And I understand why. Um, not as well known as the Ram Dasses and things of this nature, but he kind of studied with all those guys as well. Can You can hear me, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, Robert Adams always talks about uh, not doing these things to improve personhood because it's, it's like um, so much energy. Like, let's say when we fall asleep, when we go into the dream, if you were, you were cognizant that you're dreaming, Right. You would take a completely different approach to that experience. You wouldn't be as, um, you know, uh, not stuck up, stuck up is probably the wrong word, but you won't be so serious about everything. Even if everything was going going wrong in that particular dream, you're about to get crushed by a tsunami or whatever it was. If you understood it was a dream, there may still be some uh, trepidation and things of that nature when the tsunami is about to crash on you. But, you know, all right, when the dream is over, I wake up and it's a different experience. So a lot of times we take these approaches to trying to improve the personhood when at the end of the day, it's still just a dream, right? And um, Alan Watts, of course, very popular, probably a lot of people who will watch these videos will you know, who know who Alan Watts is. And he, has, he actually has a, a particular interview that he did that I just caught wind of a little while ago. I, you know, I didn't know people had like kind of podcasts at that time too. And it was just him talking super regular. Um, still very poignant, everything he said. But at a certain point, the guy kind of asked him a similar question to what you just asked me. And he said, it's interesting because, you know, how people see Alan Watts, it's completely different than how I see the world, how I see Alan Watts, quote unquote, myself from the pers perspective that I see being. And he was like, Alan Watts smokes too much, smokes too many pipes. <laughs> he drinks too much liquor. He probably, he probably has too many interactions with too many women. But at the end of the day, he knows that people outside of his understanding of Alan Watts, and mind you, Alan Watts pretty much uh, transitioned from alcohol, drinking too much, right? But still understanding the grid to the level that he did. So to a large degree, at this point, it's no longer about a particular experience. Um, even when the experience is lack of awareness of awareness, awareness is still there, right? Um, so there are times where it comes over you, like uh, the analogy I often use in deep states of quote unquote meditation or some, some moments when I'm just in meditative living, I'm doing my thing and it just kind of myself kind of just overcomes me. It's the sensation of every cell in my body being on its own particular roller coaster and just that point where you're at the top of the road and you're about to, whoosh, it almost feels like every ounce of the energy of docs is doing that in a different direction, right? But again, that too is an experience. So I'm I'm no longer like really dependent on those type of waves of awareness taking over me or the times, like you said, where I may be on the lower end of the totem pole or experiencing what that feels like. The experience means nothing to me no more at this point. Um, I referenced one more thing at the end of me answering your question. So Ramana Maharshi, another great yogi, Gyani of his time. And there's a, a quip of another great meditator from somewhere else in the world came to meditate with Ramana, right? And everybody knows at this time that the whole world kind of looks at Ramana like the guy, the, the greatest yogi of his time, right? So this other meditator comes to, to meditate with him. And they go into meditation for days at a time, right? And as they come out, and mind you, Ramana didn't even talk much. 
the other meditator asked him, well, he told him, you know, I see deities and devies and all these different angels and all these heavenly realms. I see all of this when I meditate. He asked Ramana, what do you see? And Ramana wrote down N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing, right? So this other great yogi, right, is like, well, Ramana is the greatest yogi of our time, and I'm seeing the heavens and all these different dimensions. Maybe I kind of I, I kind of got one up on Ramana. So he goes back to his homeland, and as soon as he went back into meditation where he lived at, those same de uh, devis and deities and angels tormented him in his meditations. It kind of turned into like a hell realm. And he understood that part of his ego had got attached to being able to experience these heavenly realms. But again, anything that can be experienced is still just the mind at play. It's still not the totality of awareness itself. So we're not even supposed to get caught up in heaven. We, If you became God in your meditation and that, don't even get caught up in that because that will come, that will go just as well as everything that's happening in the human experience. So there are those moments where there are waves of, oh my God, bliss and God everywhere. That comes, but I'm not attached to that either. That's that's not the end all be all either. So I'm not really, you know, too, too adept to connecting awareness to experience at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really love what you're sharing and I have a few things that came to my mind based on that as well. Like one is this idea of when you said like even when you're not aware, there's still awareness and sometimes I feel like, yeah, even if I'm in my freaking ego and I'm massively triggered and I'm just angry and I'm punching the pillows because I need emotional release, this is still my soul choosing the experience of a specific trauma that made me feel triggered, that made me now to be angry and that made me, it's still God expressing itself through me in this way. So even if I'm like, oh, I'm not in my higher self and love and light right now, I'm in my anger and I'm doing this thing or I, I don't know, I answered to someone not in the highest way and I was mean or whatever, right? There could be some many examples of us just being human it's still god being a human and being imperfect because this is what we are supposed to be we're supposed to be humans we're supposed to be imperfect we we're supposed to be perfect we would just be one with god all the time and that's all so even though we can do something that is like not divine quote unquote or not higher self speaking or quote unquote it's still our higher self choice to experience this stuff so it's still our higher self expressing itself through us and through our mind sometimes and through our ego because it's still a part of us so it's nothing really wrong about it and we just need to accept it all and as you said it's like awareness in the lack of awareness so it's actually great that we are experiencing because otherwise it probably would be boring i mean we wouldn't be humans if we didn't want to go through ups and downs we would just be in freaking angelic realm or on some other planet where it's just love and light and, but we're not we are here so we are warriors of light <laughs> because sometimes it, it, it requires some uh, yeah some power in here from us to, to really be the light but you know i i really uh, vibe with what you're saying but another thing that i wanted to mention on that is not to also get caught up in like um being in the divine and like being the presence but not being a human in terms of like we are still here to be human like we are still here to experience to taste to smell to whatever right even to uh, i don't know smoke or drink if some someone likes it i mean i, I right. don't smoke yeah. cigarettes and i don't drink alcohol but i smoke other things um but you know like i i'm here <laughs> to experience that just to 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 be a human and I, i'm here to eat chocolate like i love chocolate and someone can tell me right. okay that's unhealthy that's sugar but i freaking love chocolate i'm gonna i'm gonna eat it you right. know 
so it's kind of like if right. I wanted to be completely, I don't know, in the divine realm all the time, I probably would just not eat and I would just be brutarian and I would constantly be, be in these other dimensions. But is this a point of my life and my alignment in this life? And I feel like it's just nice to mention because like not, not for everyone, the divine awareness all the time, 24-7 is going to be their life path. Maybe, you know, the life path is to be a teacher at school or to be, you know, working in the kiosk and just be smiling to everyone that comes comes in or whatever. It's not for, ev- like, not everyone needs to be a yogi meditating in the cave for 20 years. Um, you know, it's just finding finding the divine in each moment, in each of our, whatever we do, just finding this presence and knowing that everything is perfectly as it is and we can be humans and we can make mistakes and we can eat chocolate and we can do whatever and be divine at the same time which is great <laughs> absolutely absolutely that 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 actually and that you said that reminds me of when i thought i was on the path to move into india um i was coming out of my two-year period of hiatus immense solitude um you know god was doing a lot of work on God. <laughs> um, but I was on disability at that time, recovering from being blind. So I wasn't working. Um, I couldn't go back to work yet. I still had a little money coming in to kind of take care of myself. So I had an inordinate amount of time to just throw myself into these spirit sciences. Um, my 13-year relationship had disintegrated prior to that two-year span. All my buddies that I thought was like my bros had checked out. My family didn't live here. So complete, intense, immense solitude. So as I was coming out of that and I met my, who will become my son's mother, um, there was a certain point where she, uh, I was in the kitchen cooking. I was cooking us something to eat. And she, she knew like how airy I was at that time. I was completely ungrounded, right? I'm in the forest nine hours a day. I'm not connected to society at all, right? Completely floaty, right? All in my higher chakras. So she would understand at that point that there would be times I I would struggle to be in my humanness, but I could do it, right? But a lot of times I would say I was like betwixt worlds, right? So there was, you know, I was cooking one day and she she could kind of like get a side view of my eyes and she knew I wasn't there. Like I was in the heavens somewhere, who knows what dimension I was in. And she stopped me from what I was doing. She took my hands, she grabbed me by the face and she said, you can't go yet, Right? She didn't even know that prior to me meeting her when she said this, she didn't know that I was already planning on moving to India to go live in an ashram and to be one of those yogis that would live in a Himalayan cave somewhere for 20 years and never see society again. That was my goal at that point. And now hindsight being 2020, her doing that in that moment and kind of grounded me. And then our relationship grounded me and us having a son grounded me. And then that turned into me being a pillar in this community all these things grounded me and gave me the opportunity for that integration to be able to experience both sides, the lower and high, higher chakras all simultaneously. I understand now hindsight being 2020. Had I did that, I would have probably been looked at as, you know, a great yogi of my time and spiritually ascended and self-realized and all these different things. But I would have actually set my journey back, my soul's journey back. Because at this point in my soul's journey, it wants the duality. It wants to experience that. Like you said, with, with how India breaks down the, the different aspects of God and how I see Indian uh, devas and deities and all of that, I just see it as descriptions of the one God. I don't see it as Ganesh over here and Ka. It's just descriptions of the oneness, right? But when you get down to Shiva and Shakti, 
Shiva is that nothingness, that nothingness, right? The womb for the potential for all things to exist. And everything that exists is that Shakti, that feminine energy that exploded into every direction to be every type of something, right? But in that Shiva state, if there is no nothing there, right? Not even person or ego or self-identification. The only desire that can actually perpetuate from that state is the desire for some things, right? To experience itself, to be able to look in the mirror of itself. And everything in existence is a little inch of that mirror of God looking at itself. So, of course, God wants to experience every single possible potential reality that could ever exist, not just in our universe, but in the universes next to us and all the parallel dimensions and all the things that your mind could possibly fathom. Every one of those things is another inch in that mirror of God looking at itself. So sometimes God is going to express through somebody drinking. Sometimes God is going to express through society at large. Uh, enslaving other people. Sometimes it's going to express as the flower people. It's going to express all these different ways, but it needs to be allowed to. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, and I love what you what you shared, and it just reminds me of uh, one experience when I had when I was doing uh, also some psychedelics with my friend, uh, my best friend, and he was channeling the divine energy, and it it turned like it completely shifted my perspective because. The, the energy was saying like everything is love, even the, the worst things that we do, even the murder, even the, you know, all the things are love. They're coming from love. They're coming from us just wanting to experience a soul's, our soul's evolution. And without these experiences, we wouldn't be able to get some of the feelings, get some of the experiences. Like we couldn't have compassion without, you know, someone doing something bad for us, right? Like it's just not possible to experience what we are if we don't have this polarity this other force this other um, oppositional uh, power <laughs> that shows us okay how can i be compassionate now if someone does something that i really dislike like it's it's even more powerful to be compassionate and it's forgiveness love like these qualities are really coming out when we experience the dark side so we are really here to experience really really all of it we, to feel all of it to to be all of it and then to really choose okay if i acted like this and it wasn't in alignment with my soul how can i act now better and just improve and and grow and i love it that you say that god is uh, in everything and and everyone because it's just such a beautiful perspective but i feel like really not many people have experienced this perspective so much that they can really uh, grasp it you know yet uh, but if but i'm really really curious to also uh, ask because you said that you were out there and i remember that um I think it was Dr. David Hawkins that in one of the books he said also that he was so just in the nothingness that nothing really mattered in the state because you're like, okay, I'm just everything, so nothing matters. But then, okay, I'm a human, so how about I just come back to being a human and then maybe teach others how to experience the state but not to be in the state 24-7 because then it's like the point of human existence is missed because we are here. So I'm really curious from your perspective you said that your uh, your family grounded you but did you also find that other there are other things that can ground these people who are just too much out there and too uh, too much open on the higher chakras and too little open on their lower chakras let's say do you have any advice to these people yeah um a lot of times in my counseling sessions when we're talking about a uh, particular client's purpose um because that's a big thing right now there's uh, at least in our country i don't know if it's happening globally at large 
but there's the mass exodus out of the workforce right now. Like everybody's leaving their job, right? Everybody's quitting. It's like 5 million people a month since the whole quarantine thing has happened where everybody's just getting out of the workforce. And of course, with that comes, okay, now what do I do? What am I supposed to be doing if I'm not going to depend on a job, a company, or a paycheck if I got to do this thing for myself? So purpose is really big. And whenever we get into purpose, there are pretty much two things that are so in our face, but we don't really pay attention to until we have the space and time to understand that was part of the GPS of where I'm supposed to go in this particular life path. It's your talents and your interests. Those things that are naturally resonant for you, those that the type of music. The type of food, like you said, chocolate, you just know, I, chocolate is my thing. Nobody had to tell you that. You didn't have to go <laughs> read that in a book or go to a Himalayan cave. You know chocolate is in here for you, right? So whatever somebody's talents or interests are, it's kind of like a blueprint. It's a foundation. And a lot of that, like, you know, for me, being a hip-hop artist, there was a time where during that two-year period, I didn't listen to any music. I, had, I hadn't gone a day in 20 years to that point without creating or listening to some type of music. And not just hip-hop, I appreciate all genres. But I went through a period where I didn't listen to anything because I just wanted to be in silence all the time. There's still a large part of my time where silence is still, quote, my music. But there are times like, nah, I want to throw in this old album. And it could be stuff that I don't even resonate with anymore, like old trap music that I used to like back in the day. When they talking a bunch of violent stuff, my spirit is like, hey, I want to hear that Jeezy from 10 years ago. Like, I don't know why it comes up. But your talents and your interests are your anchors a lot of times. And if you look at that zero point, like that Shiva state, um, consciousness, awareness, God, whatever your name for it is, right? In our zero point state, let's just say it sprouts out from that point to, to God level, right? To uh, an angelic level, right? To ascended master level. And you get all the way to the human experience, right? But in that that timeline of existence, because that's another uh, word that Rupert Spirit talks about a lot as far as the etymology of, ex of existence, which comes from the root word existere, which means to stand forth from. So your zero point, your God self chose to stand forth from that zero point while remaining that zero point into maybe God, angel, all the way down to the human experience. And I forgot where I heard it, but somebody said that even gods stand in line to come to earth. So when you understand how, how unique a space that this planet, that the human experience is, it has the potential for us to really walk that Wu way, that middle path and really integrate all, there's no place like this in consciousness for us to be able to experience both sides of the spectrum. So when I was at that point where I was super floaty, when I did start to get grounded, as beautiful as that space was, and trust me, it, I was experiencing things that a lot of human beings don't think is possible. I understood that I would have set myself back had I went to India and separated myself from all this beautiful, wonderful humanness that I have the opportunity to experience. I may have set myself 10 life cycles back by cutting myself off from that integration. So if somebody is struggling with that floatiness, I would say whatever you are naturally interested in or good at, do that. Go towards that and let that kind of be the blueprint for how you'll balance yourself out. Mm, 
Amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I freaking love that. I feel like this is so on right. point to just really find your spark, find something that you really love to do right. as a human. And then you can really be on earth and do that. This is amazing. So I have one last quick question to you. Where could people find okay. you? They really vibe with your energy. They want to know more about you. They want to hear your music. What's the best way to contact you? Well, y'all can find me in consciousness. <laughs> but in the as presence, as the in cold, all that is. Find me in the I astral. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> ah right, yeah so people can hit me up um of course instagram brick brick city buddha so that's b-r-i-c-k underscore c-i-t-i underscore buddha b-u-d-d-h-a um on facebook docs digla d-o-x-d-i-g-g-l-a if they would like to tap into my music my website for my music is www.docsdigla.com same as the facebook and for my meditation counseling couples therapy my spiritual practices that's BrickCityBuddha.com. So please feel free to hit me up, shoot me a DM, comment on one of my posts, and let's continue to build this communi community because we are all soul fam. You like how I did that, right? We are. <laughs> we are soul fam. And do, do, can we also hear you on like Spotify or Apple or whatever? Yes. All, all my music is on uh, all streaming platforms, especially my last album, There Is No Spoon. This is the album cover for it. I got merchandise. I got all type of things where, you know, even my music, even though it um it maintains this entertainment integrity, because I find a lot of people when they get into the spiritual aspect, they want to bring it into the music and everything is super spiritual. My music is like covertly spiritual. So it may sound like, you know, this is just a wavy dope song, but underneath it, the codes are still leading you back to yourself. But it still has its entertainment value. So, you know, I got the merch, I got the music, everything is on all platforms. Oh, that's yep. so amazing. I'm so looking forward to hearing yeah. your music because I'm a musician too. I'm a hobby you drummer. Too. And I just so looking forward beautiful. to us. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for sharing your beautiful Absolutely. energy and your beautiful divine wisdom Absolutely. and presence and everything with us. I'm super <laughs> grateful for you. Likewise. Thank you, my love. Thank you so much, beautiful souls, for being present with us in this divine presence of all that is. And if you'd like to find me, I'm The Connection Catalyst on Instagram. And if you'd like to find Soul Fam on Instagram, it's We Are Soul Fam. So thank you so much again for listening and stay tuned to the next episode.